It is Jack, and you're listening to the Dev90X podcast. Today is day 26, or the end of day 26, rather, and I've actually got a pretty decent update. As with previous episodes, I think I'll start this one this one off with um, that async await thread. <laughs> Classic. Uh, the health update. So... I did this experiment, keto experiment on the weekend, cheated, broke all my rules, did all the things that would typically make me unhealthy and have a lot of inflammation in my body and cause a skin reaction, which has been a health problem that I've had my, my whole life. And keto has helped fix that. And so I'm waiting for the reaction to, to, to hit because I've done this experiment before in the past and I've confirmed that yes, bad food definitely makes my skin worse. <laughs> as everyone else in the whole world has also confirmed that. Um, but this time, this time, it's, a, it's not the same. It's not the same. I did get a very, very slight bit of redness and itchiness, um, which I saw in those patches which always flare up in the same places. I'm always, I've got my places, you know. Everyone's got their, their places, I, I think, as well. Um, very slight, maybe 5% of what I was expecting. And so, because previous to now, I did this experiment and I, it, it, it caused me to be like socially anxious at, at the thought of going out and being around people because it, it got that bad and it would last for a long time as well. The, the reaction and the, and the flare up, that's the correct medical term, would last for five to 10 days. Uh, before it sort of came back down after eating healthy again. And so I was really expecting something a lot worse than this. And it's been uh, three days, four days now. It's Wednesday and I, I did all this on Saturday. So I was expecting something much worse. And it seems right now that it's gone away. Like even that very, very slight bit has already left. So I am absolutely stoked about that. I think the experiment is pretty much confirmed that I am now in a more resilient state to those bad things. I'm sure if I repeat the experiment and do something a little bit crazy for a bit longer, then I will get a bigger reaction. But um, yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens when I, when I do finish the keto 90 days and go back to eating carbs for a bit. So that is the health, health update. Um, Jack's hack for today is something that I've recently started doing, but I've done also in the past, fidget flossing. So this one's great. It's a dental hygiene hack, and it's for people who need to floss more than they currently do, um, which is me. <laughs> so I have these little floss devices. They look like little arms with a little floss thread um, kind of suspended between two anchor points. So it's not just like basic floss that you pull out and you rip off. I have, I have one of these sitting on my desk now, just next to my laptop. And every so often, I just use it as like a fidget thing and I'll just floss. And this is just such a, such a good way to get that flossing in every day. Um, as I know that I can definitely, definitely use it. It definitely, it's, it, it def definitely has an effect, an obvious effect on 
my dental hygiene and probably how good my breath smells. Although I can't really tell. So that's my hack, fidget flossing. Give it a go. Get some flosses, plant them around the place and use them as your fidget. Uh, progress update. Actually, before I get into that, iPhone. So this is the other subject that is ongoing. I have learned that Face ID does not work very well with a mask. It works if I pull the mask down below my chin, then it works fine. But other than that, if I'm wearing the mask over my, over my chin or over my mouth or over, yeah, I mean, the further up you go, the less likely it is to unlock, basically. If you fully cover your nose, then it's not going to work at all, even if you do like, I, so I did some research and there are some people that figured out that you can get the mask and then set up an alternative appearance in Face ID. And this will allow you to, basically how you do it is you fold the mask in half and you do one side of your face with your first face ID setup. And then you do the other, you fold it in half for the other side and then you put it on the other side. So it's half your face is fully exposed and then the other half is with the mask. And then you set up the alternative appearance and then it'll work. The thing is it tries to not let you do that by saying that your face has an obstruction and you just have to kind of fidget with it until it just lets you anyway. And then it kind of works after that. Although um, it's still not 100% accurate. Like it doesn't work 100% of the time. And sometimes you have to move your head a bit, move, um, move the phone around or whatever. It's not perfect. It's definitely not as good as just not wearing a mask. So it is possible, but I didn't bother. One thing that I did do though, is I optimized my face ID as I, I kind of just arbitrarily set it up and I thought, I wonder if I set up an alternative appearance and do bigger, more extreme angles with my face. And this resulted in a way better um, unlocking profile. So now I can just have my phone on my desk in front of me, just laying flat horizontally. And all I have to do is just get my face just a little bit over it and it'll unlock. It's so good. It's way better. It's like way more responsive. Um, and that was one thing that I was kind of annoyed about before is that I had to pick up my phone if I wanted to unlock it. I don't have to do that anymore. So that's good. I am finding it useful to continue holding on to my Android device, my Galaxy S9. And reflecting on that now, if I had have just wiped it and then sold it as a second on the secondhand market just to get some cash back really quickly, I would be running into some major, major hassles right now with <laughs> just apps that were registered to that device and ma mainly different two-factor authentication apps. There's a lot of different services now that have their own proprietary two-factor authentication code app and the app literally only supports that service and that device. And it's a great form of security, but on the other hand, if you lose your device, it's really annoying because it was, it was attached to that specific device. Um, either way, normally with two-factor authentication, it's a pain in the ass if you lose your device regardless. So <laughs> I guess it doesn't make that much of a difference, but I am finding it useful nonetheless to hold on to my Galaxy S9 for a while. And I think I will find it 
I will continue finding it useful. So here's an interesting thing that I learned between Google and Apple's App Store. So the Google Play Store and Apple's App Store. I had this experience here in Indonesia one time where an ATM tried to dispense my cash and then had a mechanical failure just before dispensing it and then just spat out my card and spat out my receipt and charged my account. And so as annoying as that is, what was even more annoying is that when I, when I went to go into the bank branch, a local bank here, for that specific ATM, they wouldn't let me in because I had to scan this QR code on an app that does COVID contact tracing. And so I was like, all right, no, no worries. I'll just download the app. And it was a local Indonesian app. It's called Baduli Lindungi. And it was not available on the Australian Google Play Store. So, um, yeah, it just wasn't. It, you could see it, but it just wasn't available for download. It said not available in your region. I was like, all right, cool. And, and the service guy was like, yeah, just change your, change your Play Store and then download it. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And so I, I went in to change my Google Play Store and Google has a policy that you must have a really good reason to change your Play Store because you can only do it once per 12 months. You can only do it once in a year. And so if you change your region, if you change your Play Store, you probably moved country. And that's the only reason why they want you to change it. So <laughs> I decided not to do it and then I just couldn't go in the bank they just wouldn't let me in without um, scanning that and <laughs> so I went home and came back another day uh, with my iPad because I could download it on the Apple App Store it was available in all regions which is really nice um, and I was able to scan it with my iPad while my iPad was tethered to my tethered to my mobile data from my Android device and then they let me in and then they couldn't help me with my money <laughs> my cash problem and in the end in case you're wondering wise was um, the one that helped me out because I used my wise card so they refunded me and then they sorted it out in the background which was nice um, so yeah Google versus Apple so you can change your Apple App Store and I just did this for one specific reason. I've got a little experiment coming up, kind of a dietary thing, kind of a diet experiment, kind of a biohacking experiment, where I am going to get a continuous glucose monitor implanted in my arm, and I'm gonna watch what happens to my blood sugar levels now that I'm on keto. One of the, I'm just really curious, because as you know, like when you, when you try a new diet, you don't know if you're getting it right, right? Like you think you're getting it right, but then there's always cases where you're like, I wonder if this is actually keto, especially with a keto diet, especially, especially with a keto diet. And I am just curious. I am just very curious as to what's happening with my blood sugar levels with certain keto foods that I think are keto or maybe, maybe aren't. Or, you know, um, how keto or how not keto is this keto branded thing? I just love to know the magnitude of certain things. And so I'm going to get this app. Uh, sorry, it's a device called Freestyle Libre. And it's a continuous glucose monitor, a little white um, kind of pad kind of chip thing that you just stamp into your arm. It has a prong that sticks into your muscle. And 
it measures your glucose levels from your interstitial fluid. So it's not as fast as measuring from your blood because that gives you a much more um, time-sensitive feedback. Uh, interstitial fluid takes a little bit longer for the, you know, the, for the blood sugar to show up. So there's a bit more of a delay. But you get a reading every five minutes as opposed to having to prick your finger uh, once every however many times, however often you want to prick your finger, uh, which is definitely, definitely not once every five minutes if you wanted to you know, create a graph and create a plot, a plot graph, a point graph and plot the, plot the curves. So this is, to be honest, in my opinion, the only viable way of doing, um, to get a reading, like a, a graph of your glucose levels. And the devices are specific to the app from which country they're, they're manufactured. So the Freestyle Libre here in Indonesia is specific to the Singapore version as they're manufactured. Oh, I think they're manufactured. Anyway, you have to have the Singapore app to, to use the Freestyle Libre device here that's available to buy here in Indonesia. And so, so you have to change your app store to Singapore in order to download the Singapore version of the app. And this is just so much easier with Apple. Like, what the heck? <laughs> you just go into your into your app store, you go to your account, your account settings, and then you go to your country region and you hit the country region that you want to do. You type in a fake address and a fake phone number, remove your payment option because if it's not an actual card from that country, then it won't work. So just remove your payment option completely. And then bam, you're in. And then you're in the Singapore, you download the Singapore app and then you have it, now you have it. And then you go back to your original app store and it works fine. You just get to keep your Singapore app. Um, yeah, this is just way easy. You can just, you can just jump between apps. Uh, maybe there's some kind of rule in the background that you can't do it too often that I'm not aware of, but, um, so far so good. And Apple is just, thanks Apple. <laughs> thanks. Uh, so that's another new difference that I'm finding, which is just really nice. It's this just wasn't possible with, um, with my Android and this is possible with iPhone. So, uh, progress update. Um, yeah, I didn't really, actually I did. Actually I did some work today. <laughs> I managed to change. I managed to, I managed to change my very first code. Um, I was struggling with this because it's a bit overwhelming when you load up a project that somebody else built, you have to read through all the code. You have to understand their folder structure. Uh, there's, you know, there's like 20 different .swift files and they all have, they are hopefully appropriately named so you can get an idea of what, what's in each one. And you go into each one and they've got all these different classes and all these like variables are being defined and, form, and um, methods are being defined. And then, um, uh, yeah, you, you basically just have to read and understand before you can figure out how to, how to change anything. And so I, I spent a good time just scrolling through the code and figuring out how to change something. And I made my first change. I managed to change the camera, camera stream from the rear-facing camera to the front-facing camera. So now I can put the app down. Also, I, f I fixed that error that, that was causing the app to crash. 
which was basically by reverting the code back to the orig original code because I, I messed with it a little bit and that was my fault. I was causing the fatal error. So, and I know why as well now. I basically renamed a reference to a class without renaming the class. So I was calling, I was calling on a class that didn't exist, essentially. Um, and so that leads, that leads me to the, my lesson learned, which is that it's not as simple as just doing like a find and replace. Like I want to change the ML model that Yoga Vision is using to my ML model, which is going to be handstand vision. And so you can kind of just go on the search and search through all search through the entire project and it'll it'll find every reference to the yoga vision model. And I was like, oh cool. So that'll be easy. I'll just go to every reference of the yoga vision model and I'll replace it with my model. <laughs> it'll just work. Um, but <laughs> but it didn't. And so I had to revert all the changes that I had made. Um, which I didn't do using Git. I did it manually. And that could be problematic in the future. So that is my lesson learned for today. I'm finding it... Um, oh, so I, I used the app and it was working and it was, it was pretty cool. It was doing a prediction every second or every... Sorry, I think it was 45 frames. Every one and a half seconds. And the, the guy who trained this ML model did an okay-ish job and it's pretty accurate. Like if you're in... If you're standing up in mountain pose, it's pretty good. And if you're in plank pose, it's pretty good. Um, I couldn't find I couldn't find where it failed. Having said that, that, those are two really obviously simple poses: mountain pose and plank pose. I mean, come on, mountain pose for those who don't know is you're just standing up. You're just standing up, <laughs> still, straight and still. That's mountain pose. And plank pose is you're in like a push-up position. So um, very, very, very simple to train this ML model. I wouldn't expect it to have any problem differentiating those two poses. Uh, but when I was using it, the, the text on the screen of the phone is just too small to read. So I actually couldn't see what the predictions were. And that, that led me to realize that my app, that the user experience can't really rely on any kind of visual on-screen feedback um, in, in the form of text. Maybe, maybe it can if it's really big and, and like huge and taking up most of the screen and also color-coded and everything. Maybe then it can. But I think um, that's going to be the tricky thing is like customizing the user experience of handstand vision to um, give you a good feedback of what's, what the app is doing while you're doing your poses, while you're doing your practice, doing your handstands. And I think, I think audio might just, be, might just be the one here that is the best. Probably it'll be a combination of both a little bit, visual and audio feedback. But I think, yeah, I think most people will use audio. So my next task is to get some audio feedback into yoga vision and see how that feels while while it's making predictions and while i'm using the app other than that um getting a little bit better at apples at using apples developer documentation this is where the magic happens is all in <laughs> in the documentation 
Um, but honestly, it's still kind of difficult. Like the documentation is heavily nested, meaning that you have to go, you have to go like go to an to a um, an API, like a broad general API. Let's say like you want to access the device camera. There'll be a page for that in the documentation, and then there'll be subpages saying like how to access different cameras. And then you go to those subpages, and then there's more subpages, and it's just very very nested. And I think it's I think this is kind of confusing. There, there's just so much though. So I don't. I mean, it's well, it's fairly well organized. It's just, it's just, it's just a skill that you need to master is reading documentation, just like anything else. Uh, and that is it for today. I plan to have some more progress for tomorrow, um, and I've got a nice little, uh, another little experiment going on, which is going to be the hack for tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, if it works, if it's working out. So thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.